Hello, and welcome to the Bregman Leadership Podcast. I'm Peter Bregman, and I believe that the best leaders don't try to do it alone. As the CEO of Bregman Partners, my mission for over 30 years and the mission of this podcast is to help successful people like you close your leadership gaps, grow as leaders, and inspire your team, inspire all the people around you to get great results. We are fortunate today. We have my friend Ken Blanchard, who really needs no introduction, but I'm going to give you a brief one anyway. Uh, I I honestly didn't want to like the One Minute Manager, which is you know his the big book that has sold you know probably tens if not hundreds of millions of copies. But I didn't want to like it because I didn't like the idea of story based books. And, and despite myself, I really fell in love with it, and it became a book that I gave to a ton of people when they first started learning management because I think it, it does what Ken does so well, which is so clearly and succinctly cut things down to their very essence and then reflect on them and share them in a way that's practical and easily understood by the people who are taking it on and helps to close that knowing doing gap, the gap between you know what we know and what we actually end up doing. And Ken might just be the best person at that that I know, and I try to learn from him. So we're lucky enough to have him on the show for the second time. We're talking about his newest book, Servant Leadership in Action. He wrote it with Renee Broadwell, How You Can Achieve Great Relationships and Results. I loved it. And I'm excited to have Ken on the show with us today. Ken, welcome to the Bregman Leadership Podcast. Well, good. Great to be with you. Ken, let's start with what is servant leadership? Well, when I mention servant leadership to people in industry, they often think it's about the inmates running the prison or trying to please everybody or some religious movement. But uh, they don't understand there's two parts of servant leadership. There's the leadership part, which is about vision and direction, values and goals. It's leadership's about going somewhere. And the responsibility for that is with the hierarchy. You know, I mean, it doesn't mean you don't involve people. But if people don't know where you're going and what you're supposed to accomplish and all, shame on you. Uh, and uh, one of the problems, you know, in Washington, we don't want to get into that. We don't have a vision for our country anymore. We don't know what business we're in. We don't know what we're trying to accomplish. All the values are relative. Like, for example, freedom of speech. I would have thought that would be a universal value. But if you criticize some interest group, they don't say, can I disagree with you? They surround your business and try to put you out of business. So uh, this is so important. In the Bible, it says people without vision do what? They perish. Uh, And so that's the leadership part of servant leadership. Then once that's done, the servant part takes over, and now you philosophically turn the pyramid upside down, and now you work uh, for your people to help them live according to the vision and accomplish the agreed-upon goals. And so it's it's really a one-two punch, but it's really – it's it's an inside-out job, though. It's a a character issue because – the question is, are you here to serve or be served, you know, and you can have all the theories in your head, but if in your heart you think life is all about you, uh, <laughs> you're going to have problems. So Now, uh, now I, I want to explore this in your own life because you, you know, you're, uh, you don't have to work anymore and yet you do. You have all the accolades that you need and you're not pursuing those and yet you're tireless I mean, you're, I'm sure you're not tireless, but you're willing to work through, you know, periods of exhaustion, but in order to 
to continue to serve. And I'm wondering about the point in your life where that became so clear to you. You know, like as young people, oftentimes we don't see it right away. And maybe you did. But I'm curious if you can think about, you know, either a moment or where where it became so clear to you that it's not about you, it's about the people that you're serving. Well, I tell you, I was really blessed with two amazing parents. Uh, my father retired as an admiral in the Navy, and and um, I had hoped to follow in his thing, but I had flat feet, and they kept on kicking me out. I don't know. I thought I would be tired all the time or something, but uh, – uh, but I won the president of seventh grade in New Rochelle, and I came home, and I'm all pumped up. And my dad said, well, Ken, I think this is the beginning of your leadership training. Now that you're president, don't ever use your position. He said great leaders are great because people respect, respect and trust them, not because they have power. And then my mother, who is an amazing person, she said to me, Ken, don't you act like you're better than anybody else, but don't you let anybody act like they're better than you. God didn't make any junk. There's a pearl of goodness in every human being. Dig for it. And those have been the two guiding philosophies as I grew up and had a lot of opportunities, you know, in Nurshell to be, you know, president of the school and co-captain of the basketball team and all that. And they would say, now, don't get a big head on you, you know. <laughs> And uh, so it was It was really wonderful. Uh, a lot of people don't have that kind of guidance when they're, they're young, you know, and they're trying to find out. I found, Peter, the, the people who are really problem in organizations who are self-serving are scared little kids inside. Exactly. If you, ever, if you ever read Thomas Harris' books years ago about I'm okay, you're okay, he said the worst life position was I'm okay, you're not. And all the research showed the people who acted like I'm okay, you're not, were really covering up not okay feelings about themselves. And so we think that effective leadership is a transformational journey. And we always start with the self and helping people find out who they are, feel comfortable in their own skin, develop their own mission statement, set of values, and what their leadership point of view is. And, and if we can get them comfortable with who they are, then they are. I think it was C.S. Lewis who first said, that people with humility don't think less of themselves. They just think about themselves less. And I think that's, that's kind of the journey. You know, how do you help people in that moment? Because it's a really hard place to be when they, have the, then they lack the confidence and the sort of underlying insecurity yeah. that shows up as arrogance, right? To anyone who's arrogant, yes. it's, it's born of an insecurity. And, sure. and you can't fix it by telling them, oh, you guys are great, because then yeah. they just think more about themselves. But yes. how do you – and you can't break them down because yeah. then they stand more strongly in their necessity to be great. How do you help them in that moment? Well, you know, my my experience is that, you know, you get self-serving leaders and people get upset with them and they charge in their office and give them feedback and they throw them out of the office, you know. And what you have to understand is that if you're trying to influence somebody up the hierarchy, they have position power and all you potentially have is personal power. And if you don't have a relationship with them first before you start talking about you know, how you can help them look at some of their own behavior. So I remember I was in a teaching in a business school uh, one time and the, the dean who came wrote a lot about participative management and all, but he was all my way or the highway and all. 
and everybody was all upset, you know, and they were getting kicked out of his office. So I said to myself, I got to develop a relationship with him. So I met him in the hallway and I said, George, you know, you've done a lot of great writing and I'm just getting going. Uh, I'm working on an article I'd like to get published in a journal. Would you be willing to read it and give me some feedback on it? He said, oh, absolutely. And I went to his office. He had flip charts and all. And so I had two or three sessions with him on getting his advice and writing. And during the third session, he said something was so key. He said, Ken, what do you think we can do with all the jerks we got in this school? And the key word was, what can we do? Right. Because now I was on his team. Right. And I could talk about things that that we all could do and also give him some feedback. And he would listen because good human relations is like money in the bank, you know. And if you don't have any deposits in the bank, you can't draw because I don't care how good you are giving feedback. It takes something from your relationship. But if you got nothing in the bank, you better have a mask and a gun. Uh, <laughs> you <know. laughs> if you have nothing in the bank, you better have a mask and a gun. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you end up in that dynamic where, you know, threats and power lording over people ends up uh, ends up in failure. That's right, for sure. You got to first build that personal relationship. What did you say to him when he said, what are we going to do with all these jerks around us? I said, that's something with us really talk about, because I, I know that there's some concerns you have. And I think there's concerns they have, you know, and uh, we really got into some great dialogues, you know. And he but trusted he knew you enough I, at that point for, for him to yes. be able to hear the, the point where yes. you could say they have some real issues on their side, too. Sure, that's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, the underlying challenge of servant leadership is a very, very simple one in some ways, which is am I willing to put my own personal interest below the interest of others? And it's, it's, is that a fundamentally human thing to do? And how do we actually do that? Meaning, if you cut through all of the great wisdom and advice, we're asking people to do something very simple, but incredibly hard, which is what you're saying, which is put the needs of others ahead of our own, especially when we're leaders and we have positional power, which could which we could leverage to our own advantage. So I'm I'm curious, you know, is there a deep human instinct against this? Is there a deep human instinct towards it? Uh, how do we help people get there? It's it's a journey because a baby doesn't come into the world as a servant leader. They yell like hell for whatever they for want. For whatever they know? want, and so, right? And so it really is a journey in in life. And I uh, and I think some people get to the point of different points in their career when they really realize, you know, they can watch where they've done things and and it's a failure. I love John Maxwell in the forward said he always gets a kick out of people when they say it's lonely at the top. And he said, if it's lonely at the top, it's because you got no followers. And what I recommend you do is get out of your office and go down and spend time with them and bring them to the top, you know. Right. And uh, but I, th I think it's it is a journey and a learning uh, experience that, that people have and, and, and looking for models of, of that, you know, I mean, people say, well, you know, who, who does what, what you say in terms of servant leaders, only the leaders of every industry, you know, if you look at Herb Keller and Colleen Barrett and all from Southwest Airlines, you know, you look at Walt Disney with, with Disney and the Wegman family in the grocery business and the Nordstrom's and in retail, you know, and, and uh, you know uh, Starbucks with their 
They're a great uh, leader, you know. And uh, so there's some good models out there. I'm thinking of working on a book now entitled, Duh, Why Is It Common, <laughs> Why is it common Sense, Common Practice? That's really sometimes the question that I have. You know? I want to write that with you. If you're looking for a co-author, yeah. I'm in it with you because – because because I actually think and, – and not not making it too simple, but I think that's the hard stuff. I think the yeah. hard stuff is to say, I know I should do this. I know I should do this. And yet it's so – it's physically hard for me to do it because of the risks. Yeah. Because I'm – you know, like yeah. there's a lot of applehood and mother pie. And yet the risks of following through on the advice feel so – so powerful. Like I might, you know, if yeah. I risk, I might disappear if I yeah. subjugate my own interest to the interest of others. So I think it's like, it's a really profound question as to why yeah. common sense isn't common practice. And, uh, well, it's really interesting. If you look at, uh, the organizations that Jim Collins identified in, uh, good to great, Nobody knew the CEOs of any of those companies. I mean, they never heard of them. They weren't the Jack Welches or the Iacocas and all. And yet their companies were outperforming everybody at every level. And, you know, that's, I think, but people, that's why my legacy I want to leave is this. We're, we have such a need for a different leadership role model. We've seen what self-serving leaders have done in, in a negative sense in every sector of society around the world. And yet we see what happens when a servant leader comes in. I mean, look at Rwanda. You know, I don't know if you know much about that. Rick Warren's over there a lot and all. But, I mean, they were killing everybody, each, each other and everything. And now they got this leader, and it's just unbelievable the change that's that's happened over there. Even you see some changes in the last number of years in Colombia with a different Right. Uh, leader, leader, you know, and so it's uh, we just need to, uh, you know, rise up people that are there to to serve rather than uh, than be served, you know, and uh, it uh, it was a, it's it's a, it's an interesting journey. But but if we can find people like that, what a difference. My mother used to say to me, she's a, told you it was a great flash. She said uh, she said, don't ever do anything good for somebody else. With, with the idea you're going to get something back. He said, but she said, you'll be surprised how much comes back when you when you reach out to other people. But don't do it to get something back. Do it because it's the right right thing to do. But you'll be amazed at what will come back your way. Yeah. I, I love Jim Kuz's and Barry Posner's chapter about finding your voice. And I love their question, right? Can you learn about your soul, about your spirit? And that's a key to your own leadership. And and maybe that's an answer to the question that we're talking about and how to manage the amount of great wisdom in the book, which is understand yourself really well, your soul, your voice, and then look to see how you can amplify that with the wisdom of the book. Am I thinking about this correctly? And I'd love your thoughts about yourself because I know your soul and spirit and your spirit life and spiritual life is really important to you. And I, I wonder how that interplays. Well, one of the things that we have uh, found, you know, I have a Lead Like Jesus ministry that's all over the world, and we're not trying to convert people per se or anything, but uh, it's really clear. If you look at the Bible, how many times, you know, it says guard your heart, you know, and do, you know, and it's, it's an inside out job, really, uh, which we mentioned earlier. And uh, and, and the heart is that uh, I'm here to serve, not to be served, you know, and uh 
you know, God didn't make any any junk. It's really interesting. Uh, the uh, there's a wonderful pastor here in San Diego, Miles McPherson, who wrote an amazing book that just came out called the the, the Third uh, Option, and he's talking about overcoming racism and sexism and all. And the first two options are, you know, look who I am. I'm right. You're wrong. You know, you're this and that and all. And the the third option he said is that everybody was made in God's image. And therefore, I don't care what your race is, your religion or what have you. My role, like my mother said, there's a pearl of goodness in everybody, is to find that God-given goodness that's, that's in there and to recognize that we're all uh, children of, of God. And I think that's just something that we need to, to get because the world is in such a win-lose attitude towards so many things rather than a win-win and, you know, how can I find out more about you and then you can find out about me and and we'll really find out that we're both children of, of the good Lord, you know. And uh, I think it's a powerful, powerful book. I'm curious about whether you think, you know, clearly God has played a very, very important role in your life and your leadership and the way you think about leadership. I'm curious if you think God is a necessary component to being a really powerful servant leader or holding something that is beyond you so that there's clarity that you are not the all-powerful, whether whether that's an essential element. You know, and you hear about it in AA, it's an essential element. I wonder, I'd love your thoughts on whether you think it's an essential element in leadership. Oh, I, I think it really is, and whether you call it God or whether you call it a, you know, greater being or what have you, that you know we're part of this amazing universe and we're not the center of it. And uh, I, th- I think it really is a is a a, one, a real important realization when you realize, you know, it's not all about about me. We start our uh, work and in our leadership and our in our secular company as well as to lead like Jesus with the heart and you'll get a kick out of we've developed a 12-step egos anonymous program <laughs> and uh, because the, the thing that keeps people I'll say to uh, say to audience how many of you would like to be known as self-serving leaders and how many people would like to know as servant well everybody's got their hand up well why isn't everybody you know and so we need to get to get to that. And the thing that keeps us from that is the human ego. And there's two ways ego uh, edging God out or everything good outside uh, shows up. Is one is false pride. When you have a more than philosophy, I'm brighter than, I'm. that's the I'm okay, you're not that we right. talked about earlier. And the other one that's really interesting is that people wouldn't think initially it's an ego problem. It's fear or self-doubt. How's that an ego problem? What are you focused on? You know, it's a it's a less than philosophy. And there's a lot of people who are uh, have high control needs, not because they think they're brighter than other people, but they're scared little kids inside, you know, already. And and they don't want to reveal their own weakness. It's a Gary Ridge, who's a wonderful character president, WD-40, said the biggest learning he got uh when he became a CEO was to realize that he could say to his people, you know, I don't know. And rather than them thinking less of him, 
they thought more of him because that means that he's inviting them to the party. That's a, a wonderful realization, I think. And we talked a little bit about how to approach the ego-driven person, and, and that's to develop that kind of trust. I'm curious about your insights in approaching the, the fearful person, the person who might be scrambling to get as much as they can because they fear it will all go away and, yes. and that they need that. How do, you, how do you help them overcome that? Well, I think that's where you can kind of talk to them about, number one, God loves them because <laughs> we're all children of God and that, that uh, you need to become comfortable in your skin. And let's talk about what are your strengths? You know, what, what do you think are things that you're good at? You know, and a lot of times they've buried those, you know, and you say, because, you know, I know you got some strengths and all. And so how do we kind of build on that? And how do we help you gather around you people who maybe take some of your weaknesses from you and can build on you, on what your strengths are. And just, I think it's more, there's where you're kind of loving on them uh, a little bit, where the, the people with false pride and, the, and the, the big egos, which are come in, it's kind of hard to love on them initially, you know, you got to develop a personal relationship with them. Um, you mentioned Gary Ridge. I, I actually specifically wrote down, and I've actually written it down and put it on from this book, and put it, uh, I've taped it onto my uh, computer, his rank ordering of values, right? I've, I've yes. often said, and I know you've said, that your, your true values are um, which values win out when two are in conflict, right? That That's it's, right, That yeah. it's very, you know, everybody has great values, but what choice do you make when, when two are in conflict? And he said, do the right thing. Yes. Create positive, lasting memories in all our relationships. Yes. Three is make it better than it is today. Four, succeeding as a tribe while excelling as individuals. Five is owning and passionately acting on it. And and his sixth was sustaining the WD-40 economy. I, I wrote as my sixth, flourish financially. But it's, yeah. but it's this idea, and I, and I keep it there. And when I have decisions that I make, literally, I just look at my screen and I go, all right, start with number one. Do the right thing. What's the right thing here? And almost always you could stop there because, you know, the right thing pretty much covers the other five. Oh, the other – yeah, the other five. But but it's uh, – but I, I really loved that chapter and I loved Gary's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Have you interviewed Gary? He's a wonderful person. You know, I know dude. him. I know him well and, and yet I – and actually he blurbed my last book along with you. But I haven't, uh, but I haven't, I haven't had him on the podcast, and I really should because I, yes. I think he's delightful. So that's on my list now. I'll have yes. him on the podcast. He and I do a lot of sessions together because it really works well with him being a practicing manager and me being a theorist. You know, right. we we can give a really good good one two punch. And, and, and you, you know, I, I use in the book the example of Walt Disney how he intuitively got it. He had four values. Number one value was safety. Because, you know, if they're in the happiness business and somebody gets carried out of their park on a stretcher, they wouldn't have the same smile on their face leaving as they went in. But the second was service, which is how do we take care of people? And the third was the show, which is if you're on stage, you're in your role, whether it's Mickey Mouse or a ticket take. And then the fourth one was efficiency, running a profitable, well-run organization. The reason he put it forth is he didn't want anybody to think that they would – do anything to save money to put people in danger, and they weren't going to do a major downsizing. 
you know, in the park so people couldn't find anybody to serve. I mean, I've been amazed at some stores you go into now and you almost have a heart attack and lie on the floor before anybody will come and, you know, say they'll help you. You know, there's nobody there. You know, they, they've cut the bone out of the thing, which is really so crazy, you know. Right. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, I, I heard Jodie Foster interviewed once when she directed her first movie that she directed that she also acted in. And, and she said, uh, you know, one of the disappointments is she wasn't surprised, meaning she directed and she acted. And so the, she didn't do anything that surprised her. Whereas when she was a director and someone else was acting in it, cause she had directed before, she just hadn't directed and acted in the same movie the actor would do something that surprised her and she would say, Oh, that's really great. But she didn't do anything that surprised herself. And so that was one huh. of the disappointing things. And, and you've written so many books, but I'm also sort of curious here. You're the director of this book. There's lots of authors who've written really great chapters. And I'm curious what surprised you about it. Did, did you, you know, did, did people come up with things that you thought, huh, what an interesting and an unusual take that I hadn't thought of. Well, first of all, the big surprising thing is that they would all agree to, <laughs> to do to do that, you know, which I think was really, uh, really something. And uh, but uh, I, I was con continually surprised by uh, common examples of that you can serve in all parts of your life. Like I love John Gordon's article, you know, he talks about going to see his mother, you know, and uh, he went out for a walk with her and. And she really seemed tired, and he, she was always in great shape. And so he said, Mom, I think we should go back. She said, no, I want to go to the store because I want to get something to make you a sandwich for your trip back home. And you get back home, and the first thing she does is go into the kitchen and make him a sandwich, you know, and which she's enjoying on the way back to where he lived a couple of states away. And that was the last time he ever saw his mother because he knew that she had – you know, some symptoms of cancer, but didn't know how serious it, it right. was. And, and so here she is, you know, essentially dying and thinking about making a sandwich uh, for her son. You know, I mean, I thought that was a pretty, you know, powerful uh, thing. And uh, the, you know, the kind of choices you make in, in life, you know, about uh, Greg Rochelle talks about racing home, you know, and being late for dinner. And he sees out in the country road this woman standing there and says, you know, I mean, what's, what's she doing out here? I mean, you know, is she in trouble and all? But he thought, no, I, I need to get home, you know, because I'm late for, for dinner. And he went by her. And that bugged him up because, you know, it, it just uh, didn't show compassion, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, so it's uh, there was a lot of uh, people, you know, telling stories on themselves and, and, and things like that, which I thought was uh, – was really really interesting stuff. So it's a, it was just a, you know, a blessing and to, and to see the the stories of, turnarounds to see what Cheryl Batchelor did with, Popeyes, you know, and, you know, and then Gary with WD40 and, just uh, it was just a, it was a joy and so I've asked them all to, to join me and let's let's start a, you know, a, a whole new movement, you know, for, around servant leadership, right. you know and. And I, I wrote a paper before the Obama uh, election against uh, the fellow from Utah called The Leadership Vision for America. And I, I tried to get it in Washington and nobody seemed to be too interested. But all of a sudden, I'm starting to get some interest in people say we, we maybe need this, you know, because the first 
thing I talk about is what I mentioned earlier. We don't have a vision for the country any, anymore. You know, it it really is uh, is true that if you, if you look at what's happening in organizations, uh, the great ones, their number one customer is their people. Right. And if they take care of their people, empower their people, love on their people, they take care of the of the of the customers. You know, the people right. that use their products and services, and that takes care of the. You know, and one of the things I have in that paper is that I don't know why the citizens in this country are not looked at as business partners of of the government. I mean, we're 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 in the in the dark all the time. We don't know what's going on. And uh, well, it's and the all, element like, of I, like, are you are you serving the community, or is the community there to serve you? Yeah, and that's right. Yeah. That's the big difference. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I have a good buddy who's a president of a big company in Australia. And when they had an unemployment problem, the head of commerce called him and said, uh, would you willing to go around with me to all the major towns and cities in the, in the country? And let's tell them about the unemployment thing and see if we can encourage them. If they had some business they were going to start, how can we get them going now? And they came back with, you know, hundreds of thousands of new jobs because they took the problem to the people, you know, right. a gal that work, works for us in our in our house, uh, she said to me one day, I understand we owe a lot of money to China. She said, I don't think that's right, but if we knew how much uh, and and we asked all the citizens to put a little money in every week to pay back that, she said, I'd be willing to pay five bucks a week or something like that. And I thought other people would pay pay more, you know, if we ever knew what, what the deal was. You right, know? right. And so... It's um, if you feel lonely at the top, which I think some people are feeling in Washington, that's because they don't have any followers. Right. You know, right. And, and uh, followers who are engaged participants in the leadership journey along with them. That's that's right. Yeah. And it's uh, it really is. Uh, that's that's one of those big duh factors for for me. You know, I mean, and like my father, you know, as an admiral in the Navy, he said it's a myth that in the military it's my way or the highway he said sure in battle somebody's got to call some of the shots and all but he said if you acted like a big deal with your men all the time he said they'd shoot you before the enemy you know right. <laughs> yeah and he said i was right. i was nothing without my chiefs right you know I mean, right. they had all the information ken thank you so much the book is servant leadership in action how you can achieve great relationships and results and Ken, it is always a, I always, I always leave with more wisdom than I entered into when I'm in a conversation with you. So thank you so much for being on the Bregman Leadership Podcast. Well, I th thank you. And people pick this up because it's really interesting. I asked uh, John Maxwell who we should get to endorse the book. He said they're all in the book. Right. <laughs> you know, so the right. first uh, three pages of the book list all the contributors, the, the uh, you know, Brene Browns and the and uh, you know all the all the ones that you hear about Marshall Goldsmith and Francis Hesselbaum and and they and, uh, and, and they and they they dole out pearls of wisdom like they are very practical pearls of wisdom and I, what I liked about it also Ken is that it's it's easy to read because yes. you, because each chapter while it interconnects it stands on its own and and it's kind of how I like to do my books too but it's but I find it's it you know it becomes very easy to read. Uh, and, you know, in small bits. 
And one of the reasons R Renee is a co-author, she's in, one of my editors, and we told the people your article can be no longer than six or seven pages. So we were eliminating stuff because that, <laughs> one of the problems is reading books. The articles are too long. Right. So we want this to be a bathroom book. You can easily read a story a day. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Well, thank you so much for the book, and thank you so much for, for continuing to share on the podcast. Oh, good. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening. Here's what I've learned from working with some of the most successful leaders of the most successful companies. Every leader, every team, and every organization has a leadership gap. If you want to become a leader who inspires your team to get things done, then you've got to start by raising the level of your leadership abilities. You can start by taking our free leadership gap assessment at www.bregmanpartners.com forward slash quiz. Then dive deeper with a copy of my latest book, Leading with Emotional Courage. For more ways to become a truly great leader, check out our online offerings, in-person workshops and events, and my articles at www.bregmanpartners.com. Again, thanks so much for joining me today, and thanks to Claire Marshall for producing this episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.